Hello and welcome to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. In this episode, we're going to continue to review Pastor John Chastine's sermon, The Family Octagon from Vic- Victory Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. But before that, just a brief teaching excursus. This comes from Philip Melanchthon, speaking perhaps somewhat prophetically, where he teaches us in the, in the Apology to the Augsburg Confession. And I'm just going to add a little commentary myself, but, but Melanchthon teaches us this in the Apology. Let the discreet reader think only of this. If this be Christian righteousness, what difference is there between philosophy and self-help and the doctrine of Christ? If we merit the remission of sins by these illicit acts that spring from our own mind, in other words, if we can build up our own defenses, if we can take care of this ourselves, if if it depends on us, then what benefit is Christ. If we can be justified by reason and self-help and our own means and the works of our own intelligence, where therefore is the need of Christ or regeneration as Peter declares in 1 Peter 1.18? And from these opinions, the matter has now come to such a pass that many ridicule us. Many out there ridicule those who still hold to the original gospel, depending on Christ and his work alone for us, they ridicule us because we teach that there's something else other than a philosophic religion that must be sought after. Alas, it has come to this, that even great theologians at Louvian, Paris, Victory Church in Edmond, Oklahoma and several churches around this country have known nothing other have known nothing of any other godliness or righteousness although every letter of of Paul's writings and every syllable he teaches they know nothing than the godliness which philosophers and self-help gurus teach And although we ought to regard this as a strange teaching, all of us as Christians should regard this as a strange teaching and ought to ridicule it, they rather ridicule us. Yes, they make a jest of us and Paul himself. We have heard that some, after setting aside the gospel, have instead of a sermon, have instead of a sermon, explain the ethics of Aristotle. They have explained the ethics of Dr. Phil. They have explained the ethics of Oprah. I myself have heard a great preacher who did not mention Christ in the gospel and preached preached instead the ethics of Aristotle, Dr. Phil, Oprah, the one We're getting ready to review right here, John Chastine. Is this not a childish, foolish way to preach to Christians? Nor did such men err if those things are true which the adversaries defend. If the doctrine of the adversaries be true, those who are opposed to the Christian gospel are the adversaries. The ethics is a precious book of sermons and a fine new Bible. Oprah's latest book, 
Dr. Phil's latest book, and dare I say Joel Olstein's latest book, is a precious book of sermons and a fine new Bible, and we can just discard our old Bibles. For Aristotle, Dr. Phil, Oprah, Joel Olstein, and every other self-help guru, including John Chastain, who's preaching the sermon, wrote concerning several morals so learnedly that nothing further concerning this can be demanded. They've got it figured out. And if we listen to them, we'll just figure it out ourselves. We see books that exist in which certain sayings of Christ are compared with the sayings of Socrates, Zeno, Dr. Phil, Oprah, and a dozen other self-help gurus. As though Christ had come for the purpose of delivering certain laws through which we might merit not only the remission of sins, but our sanctification. As though we did not receive this as a gift because of Jesus' merits, because of what he did on the cross. Therefore, if we hear receive the doctrine of those people that by the works of reason, by the works of self-help, we merit the remission of sin and justification and we merit our sanctification. There will be no difference between philosophic self-help or certain Pharisaic religions and our own, the Christian religions. The Christian religion, the one true faith, delivered us, delivered to us through the apostles. There will be no difference. And that is exactly what I think Pastor John Chastain is after, after here in this sermon. At least that's where it seems he's driving. In other words, what good is Jesus if all of this depends on us? Is this the message? Of Pastor Chastine, is this what he's trying to relay to us as Christians? Is that ah, forget about what Jesus taught and justification by faith and sanctification by faith and the fact that your faith needs to be created and sustained in the church? Forget about that. You need to follow my self help message. Is this the message of the Christian church? Let's listen and find out. Love me or leave me, but love me please Oh baby, don't keep me hanging while I'm down here on my knees There's a ring here in this box designed especially for you And I'll slip it on your finger if you only say I do Yeah, time is money, honey, and all my time I want to spend on Thanks, as always, to Eric and Polly Rapp for the use of their tune, Hey Preacher Men. Please check out these wonderful artists at www.ericandpollyrapp.com. That's Eric and Polly, R-A-P-P.com. Thank you to Michael Almquist and Five Iron Frenzy for the use of their tune, My Evil Plan to Save the World. Check out what's happening with Five Iron at www.fiveironfrenzy.com. Thanks to Greg Mann for the use of his tune, Time is Money, the one you're hearing right now. Check out all of Greg's wonderful work on all the major music outlets, including iTunes and Amazon. Just search for Greg, that's 1G, Mann, that's M-A-N-N, two N's, or follow Greg on Facebook. 
We also want to let everyone know that our featured artist here at God Still Speaks Through Jackasses, Cody F. Miller, has an all-new website at www.codyfmiller.com where you can order Cody's prints right online, and I would encourage you to do so. He's got some wonderful work there. Thank you, Cody, for letting us use your piece entitled Balaam. Please check out Cody's work, and again, place your order for your print or original at CodyFMiller.com. And as ever, thanks to Gene Talley. If you're looking for ministry coaching of pure awesomeness, please contact Gene at RevTalley. That's R-E-V-T-A-L-L-E-Y at gmail.com. Hey, okay. Your time is money, honey. All my time I'm gonna spend on you. Your time is money, honey. I'm spending my lifetime with you. It says, keep a firm grip on the faith. That's the punchline of the par- even the paraphrase. Keep a firm grip on the faith. What is our guard? Our faith in Christ. Yet, Pastor Chastine doesn't even bother to mention Jesus here. That that is our foundation. It has nothing to do with us keeping our guard up and battling off the enemy. Jesus has defeated the enemy for us and yet he continues to insist that it's up to us to battle the enemy this is unbelievable I don't want to go to a church on Sunday morning where a pastor tells me that it's up to me to battle the enemy when there's one who stood in my place that is Jesus who took care of all this Peter tells us to keep our grip on the faith. That is our defense. Our faith where? In Christ. What is going on here? This is not a Christian sermon. This is not a Christian message. This is a self-help message that says it's entirely up to you to fight off the enemy. When in the reality, when the reality is that Jesus has defeated the devil. Jesus has defeated our sin. Jesus has defeated our death. Jesus has defeated the devil. And that's what faith is about. And I'm shocked, shocked, appalled that a Christian, a, a, a man who would call himself a Christian minister has nothing more to say about this passage than we need to keep our guard up. Has nothing to do with that. Jesus has done it already. If I have to hold the field and not Jesus, I might as well hang it up. Why aren't you talking about our Lord? You are a pastor, sir, on a Sunday morning, the one place in the entire universe where we can hear Jesus talked about but you haven't even mentioned him. Forget about focus your sermon around what he has done for us. We are the ones who are supposed to step out and say, Devil, this is not your road and this is my family. I'm the person that's supposed to do that? You're teaching falsely. 
wish you would tell your people about the one who holds the field forever, and that is Jesus, our Lord, born of a virgin, lived, taught, lived a perfect life, died in our place for the forgiveness of our sins, and rose from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father. Why haven't you mentioned him? So the king of Israel, I'm going to go fast. You guys good to fast? We're good? Okay, you still with me? So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. So the king of Israel went and checked out this place that Elisha was telling him. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. Number three, be on your guard. Be on your guard. Sometimes, have you ever heard somebody say, oh, I'm just following my heart. Just trust in my heart, you know, just going with my gut. Just, just, do you know the scripture tells you that our heart is the most deceptive thing in you? Oh, uh, yeah, interesting there, Pastor Chastain, because you just said that um, this whole sermon is based on a stirring in your heart. Right? Just trust in your heart, and you just, you're just kind of reading along, and all of a sudden, this all popped out to you. Did you not consider that your heart too is wicked, sir? And now you're chastising your people for following their heart. You're, you're making complete nonsense out of your message here at this point. doesn't make any sense. You followed your heart on what you think Second Kings is teaching us here. But yet, your people aren't allowed to follow their heart? It doesn't make any sense. You're confusing us. You're not offering us any clarity on what the situation might be. Again, this would have been a great place to bring in, you know, our hearts are wicked. And so where's the only place that we can turn? To Christ to Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, but there's none of that here. You have to trust what something else. What's happening here? This is very, this is a very confusing and a very convoluted message, Pastor Chastain is giving us. So, so watch this in Proverbs chapter four. It says it in Jeremiah two, Proverbs chapter four, verse twenty-three. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. The King James Version says, says that the issues of life flow from your heart. We have to guard our heart. I, I want to encourage you to go, if you've never listened to this, this podcast, I would encourage you to go do it or buy the book, or I'm sure you wrote a book. Andy Stanley did a teaching called Guardrails uh, several, several months ago. And basically the, the, the principle behind this is that we all drive, well, we know we're driving down the road and the, there's things that keep us from going off a cliff into the ditch. They're called guardrails. And we never notice they're even there until we need them there. Right? So the principle behind this is what guardrails are you putting in place in your life while you're still healthy? Yeah. If you wait to put a guardrail up after you're already in the ditch, it's too late. 
Okay? So while you're healthy, what guardrails, what analysis are you giving to your life? What, are you sitting down with your spouse and saying, honey, here's my passwords to all my stuff? Again, this is more self-help falderall here. What guardrails are you putting up? Um, do you not think the Pharisees had some guardrails up? I mean, I, I can compare myself. I mean, this may be anecdotal, but um, back in the day when I was a, a pastor in a, a pop evangelical church, make no mistake, I had some major guardrails up, and all of them failed. All of them. Guardrails are the answer? We got to put up some guardrails. This will solve all of our problems. We've got to avoid toxic people. We've got to put some guardrails. And if we do those things, then what? We think we're pulling it off? And if that fails, then then what? What happens if that fails? We didn't put up enough guardrails? Again, did the Pharisees not have a, a tremendous amount of guardrails? D- didn't I have enough guardrails up when I was an evangelical pastor to keep me from going off into the ditch? This puts all of our hope, all of our trust, where? Not in Jesus. This puts it in ourselves. And this is the danger of this teaching. And again, self-help falderall. I mean, if you don't believe me, check it out. Here's, here's Oprah to prove my point. Are there boundaries or parameters that you two have discussed? Not discussed. I'm just, you know, I am my son's protector first and foremost. So even though we all love each other, our families are extremely close. I put the guard up. I put the barbed wire up. Okay, that was Oprah's life class. Talking about setting parenting boundaries. Yeah, I can, again, I can find all kinds of information about this in all kinds of places. What I can't find ever, anywhere, is Jesus Christ crucified and risen for the forgiveness of my sins. That's the only thing I can't find anywhere else. And I hope when I come to a church on a Sunday morning, that's what I'm going to hear about. But unfortunately, all I've heard so far from Pastor Chastain is Dr. Phil and Oprah. And advice that resonates with what they're teaching. Why should I even show up to Pastor Chastain's church at all? And how is this really ever going to help? Facebook, email, what do you want? It's all right here. It's not because you don't trust me. It's because I want you to trust me. And I'm going to give you all of these things. And while I'm healthy, while I'm sane, before I'm in the ditch, I'm going to give you access. I'm going to put up these guardrails. That's just one example. But what guardrails are you putting up in your life while you're still healthy? Before you hit the ditch. So be on. By the way, this is what the Pharisees did. It really is. I mean, they, for the Sabbath, they had all kinds of guardrails set up so they wouldn't even come close to breaking the Sabbath, right? 
So um, while all this sounds great, while we think, oh yeah, we you know, set these things up so we don't go off the go off the rails and we set up the guardrails so we don't end up in the ditch. This all it, it, I thought Christianity was about our dependence on Christ and Jesus and what he did and the forgiveness of our sins. I thought this is the, the, the engine, the fuel that drove us. This is what I go to here on a Sunday. But evidently, Pastor Chastine thinks that we need to go back to way the, the way the Pharisees did things. We've got to set up so many guardrails to protect this, to, to protect ourselves from this sin, which is the family octagon, whatever. Guardrails. <laughs> um, if you're depending on yourself to be able to make all this happen, you're going to be sorely disappointed on a number of levels. Your guard. Don't trust. Listen, don't just go day to day, living life as it comes. Man, let, let, that's, that's my next point. Let's go into this. Um, oh, 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 I want to go off right there, but I'm not going to. Okay. First Peter 5, let me read this for you first. First Peter 5, verse 8 in the, in the Message Bible, it says, Keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last too long. So when, when, people, when they fight, right? Like last night, I didn't get to watch the fight, but I read all about it. And, and it was more of a defensive fight, okay? Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. All the women are like, fight last night. Okay, John, whatever you're talking about. So I'm talking to the guys. So have you ever noticed, though, when, when people fight, sometimes your defense is more important than your offense, and so when, when, when the enemy begins to throw things at you, we have to have the ability to have our guard up. We have guardrails up. God, you want to tempt me with something? Cool, I've already put guardrails in place to keep me from that. And so when the enemy begins to deliver blows at you, we, we are able to block those. Why? Because we're on our guard. We're ready for it. It didn't catch us by surprise. We knew the enemy was going to do this ahead of time. Even in his, in his paraphrase, paraphrase, which is a really bad translation of the scriptures, the, the message, I would advise against it. Um, it says, keep a firm grip on the faith. That's the punchline of the par- even the paraphrase. Keep a firm grip on the faith. What is our guard? Our faith in Christ. Yet, Pastor Chastine doesn't even bother to mention Jesus here. That that is our foundation. Has nothing to do with us keeping our guard up. And battling off the enemy. Jesus has defeated the enemy for us. And yet he continues to insist that it's up to us to battle the enemy. This is unbelievable. I don't want to go to a church on Sunday morning where a pastor tells me that it's up to me to battle the enemy when there's one who stood in my place. That is Jesus who took care of all this. Peter tells us to keep our grip on the faith. That is our defense. Our faith where? In Christ. What is going on here? This is not a Christian sermon. 
This is not a Christian message. This is a self-help message that says it's entirely up to you to fight off the enemy. When in the reality, when the reality is that Jesus has defeated the devil. Jesus has defeated our sin. Jesus has defeated our death. Jesus has defeated the devil. And that's what faith is about. And I'm shocked, shocked, appalled that a Christian, a, a, a man who would call himself a Christian minister has nothing more to say about this passage than we need to keep our guard up. It has nothing to do with that. Jesus has done it already. It's amazing to me. People show up to these churches a week after week and hear this. And it's no wonder that they fall into despair or into pride. Pastor Chastain, can you please tell us about Jesus and how he defeated the enemy? Let's keep reading. I told you I was going to go fast. I got eight of them to cover. Verse 11, this enraged the king of Aram. Now, now what enraged him? Because they knew all, all the stuff he was trying to do. He was trying to hide. Elisha kept telling the king where he was. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, watch this, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Elisha is a cool dude, y'all. Like, God is telling Elisha what the king of Aram is whispering in his bedroom. That's pretty powerful. And so my, my fourth point is this. The Holy Spirit can give you the words to speak. The Holy Spirit can give you the words to speak. He's just completely all over the place here. Has the Holy Spirit ever given you the words to speak? I mean, you might have felt that. It's not really ha ever happened to me. This is all focused on you. This has nothing to do with Jesus. <laughs> and it's classical proof texting. All right. Let's hear what he has to say beyond this. Have you ever been in a fight with your spouse or with anybody? And, and like, while they're talking, you're not even listening because you're already loading the gun. Like, and it's not a pump action. It's like a fully automatic. I've already got my thoughts. Like, sometimes in arguments, we can get so witty, like, so quick. Like, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one. But, man, our, our tongue is so powerful. Bible, the Bible tells us that the power of life and death is right here in our mouth. And so many times when we're fighting, when we're fighting with our spouse or we're fighting with family, so many times it's not, it's not with any other tool or instrument or weapon than the one in our mouth. The, the, the weapon in your mouth is, is so vitally strong. Let me read a scripture to you. Luke 12, 12 says, For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Right? So, so this tells me that the Holy Spirit can literally give us the words to say. Not before we say it. And yeah, this is what you call classic proof texting. So if you're in a fight with your spouse, the Holy Spirit is going to, be, going to give you the words to say. Luke 12.12 12 has nothing to do with that. Luke 12.12 12 is the sending out of the... Uh, this, this is... 
this has nothing to do with a confrontation with your spouse or your children or anything in your family and the Holy Spirit telling you what to say. This has to do with um, disciples going out and witnessing to Christ and getting caught up by the authorities. And when they're caught by the authorities, um, knowing what to say, this is what we call proof texting. Pastor Chastain has this idea, and he's going to make the text say what he wants it to say. This is how pop evangelical pastors make their ideas sound biblical. So again, the steps to proof texting, right? To make their ideas sound like, this is what the Bible teaches. Here's what they do. You get an idea in your head. You use a computer Bible to search for the words that correspond to your idea. You find your verse, and then you use that verse, and it matches your idea. You can do this with any... Come up with whatever crazy idea you want to. So it's like this. My wife is a fantastic cook. She makes a pie for our family. She leaves a note. Do not eat the pie. It is for all of us after dinner. Oh, but I want that pie. And in order to justify that idea, I pull the words from the note, eat the pie. I mean, she after after all, she did say eat the pie. Only I left out the do not part. I just chose to eat the pie and I eat. This is how proof texting works. Take any idea you like, find the words in the scripture that reflect reflect your idea, regardless of the context, and there you go. Listen to the context of Luke 12, 12. It says this, And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man, also will acknowledge before... Also, I will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. This has nothing to do with what you might say in the context of an argument between you and your spouse. You see how the proof texting works? I mean, if Pastor Chastain wanted to teach this, I mean, Peter emphasizes faith. As the key, faith tells us that we're good with God forever because of the person and work of Christ. And now, instead of spending that energy trying to get good with God by by our vocations of father, mother, daughter, son, husband, wife, now we can spend that energy loving our neighbor, the nearest of which is our spouse, our children. It's simple, not easy, 
but it's true that to the text he's quoted. This is this is what's going on here. We love because because God loved us first. I mean, that's the whole point of it. It's Pastor Testine is putting it all of this on us. It depends on us tapping into God. Not hanging out with toxic people. It depends on us putting up our guard and hearing the Holy Spirit give us the words to say. Folks, none of that happens to me on a daily basis. I don't tap into God. I hang out with toxic people. I am a toxic person and so are you. I don't put up my guard. And I don't hear the Holy Spirit give me the words to say. None of this happens. What I do here is the promises of God. Your sins, which are many, are forgiven. God taps into me. God hangs out with this toxic person. God puts up his guard for me in the person and work of Christ. And the person of Christ is completely in accord with the Holy Spirit and it hasn't this is all about Jesus and again Pastor Chastine hasn't even mentioned Jesus's name in this entire sermon one place in the world I should be able to go to hear somebody talk about Jesus and his name isn't even mentioned so far not after we say it while we say it one of my favorite passages one of my favorite stories in the bible is when stephen in the book of acts he's he's preaching the gospel and they begin to come against him people that are much wiser than him people that have have far more education than him and and in chapter 6 verse 10 it says they could not stand up against the wisdom the spirit gave him as he spoke as he spoke Man, when you get into a heated conversation with someone, you need, to, you, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you. Well, John, how do I do that? Have you ever, um, if you have an iPhone, you texting somebody, I, I love it and hate it. It's like this love-hate relationship. I text you, and when you start to text me back, a little bubble pops up on my screen to tell me that you're texting right now, Right? And so there's so many times when I'm, maybe I'm having a heated conversation through text and I send a text and I go, man, I'm not done yet. And I start typing again and then I see the bubble pop up and I'm like, oh, let me just wait and see what you got to say back. Like, let me just see what you got to say. Right? So the bubble pops up. Maybe, maybe in our conversations with people, we should leave room for the bubble. Maybe we should leave room and say, you know what? I'm just going to step back. Holy Spirit, will you please keep me from ripping this person's head off, first of all. And as I speak, will you give me the words to speak? Man, the power of life and death is in your tongue. And Scripture tells me, at least it's telling me, that the Holy Spirit will give me the words to say that are going to not bring, not bring attack, not bring further complication, not bring further hate or insult to the person, but healing. The Holy Spirit can give you the words to say if you will allow him and leave room for the bubble. Just pause and wait. Okay. Verse 13, let's keep going. King of Aram, Aram says, Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. You catch that? The enemy sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. 
Point number five. The enemy has a strategy. Do you? The enemy, the devil, Satan. Yeah, we're going to talk about Satan in church. The enemy has a plan for your marriage. He has a plan for your kids. He has a plan for your grandkids. He has a plan for every single relationship that you're with. And he has a strategy. He's coming. He's sending horses. He's sending chariots. He's sending whatever he can. He's sending insecurity. He's sending doubt. He's sending fear. Whatever he can do to sliver into that relationship, to get in your mind, he's doing. Do you have a strategy in return? This is wholly unbelievable. Do I have a strategy in return. Pastor Chastine, no, I do not have a strategy in return, but praise be to God, our Lord Jesus did. I am the one who's supposed to defeat the devil? Is that what you're telling me? You hear these people, amen, oh man, oh yeah, they're ready to go out and they're going to get beat down. They're going to get destroyed. Do we have a strategy? Do do oh, we have a strategy in return? Are you kidding me? How in the world are we to mount up against Satan? There is only one, and oh, it is not a name you've mentioned. Yet, in this sermon, the name of Jesus, who can mount up a strategy in return against that enemy. What are you talking about? You have... mm, You're sending people out to be devoured, sir. If, if 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 all we have to depend on is our strategy in return against the schemes of the devil, we're done. Done. Done and done. We don't have a strategy in return, sir. But there, praise be to God, there is one who has a strategy to defeat our enemy. We have to stop living through life. We have to stop going day to day, taking as it comes, stop being defensive and start being offensive against the enemy because he has a strategy. That's what this is all about. It's not about do you measure up and are you being a good father? It's not about that. It's about we're going to take some time. We're going to be serious. We're going to be intentional. We're going to sit down and have a serious conversation about our marriage, about our kids, about our relationship, uh, maybe the kids you want to have someday, whatever the case may be. The enemy has a strategy. First Peter 5, 8 says this, be alert and sober and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Fight. Don't roll over. Don't tap out. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. What's your plan? What's your strategy? Get one. Let's keep going. 14. 14b. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant 
of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Number six, darkness conceals, light reveals. Have you ever found yourself going through hell, relationally, financially, whatever the case may be, and you literally think to yourself, how in the world did I get here? It's almost like you wake up one day and you're like, what just happened? Like my marriage is in shambles, my finances are in shambles, my, my kids are rebelling, and uh, what, how did I get here? I love this passage because it says that they woke up when morning came and they were surrounded. They didn't know it was coming. They didn't, know, they, didn't, they didn't see it coming. They didn't see them coming in and surrounding them. They woke up and looked up and said, Oh, my Lord. Right? And we find ourselves that way sometimes. We wake up and we're like, Oh, my gosh. How did I get here? Well, it happens when we're, when we're not paying attention. When we're in slumber. When, we're, when, when darkness conceals, at, at, in, in, the, in the dark of night, when we're not paying attention, when we're going about the routine of our life and, and extracurricular activities and all the craziness of life and we're going to work and we're checking in and we're checking out and, 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 and slowly but surely the enemy creeps in and before you know it, one day you wake up and say, <laughs> one day you come home and your spouse says, tapping out, I'm done. You say, how, how, did we, how did we get to this point? Let's keep reading. Verse 16. I love this. Elisha talking back. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, now so point number seven is this. Fear has no place. And that's cool, right? That's shouting material. If we were a shouting church and if I was a shouting preacher, that's where we'd all stand up and wave our hankies. It'd be awesome. We'd shout and scream and if somebody would run, it'd be awesome. We'd drag an organ out. So we'd start playing the organ and I'd spit all over the people in the front row. Fear has no place, you know. But, but it's interesting to take a step back and to put yourself in the shoes of that servant. So think about this. They're standing here and they're completely surrounded by horses and chariots and it's Elisha and his servant. And, and Elisha says, those who are with us. Okay, Elisha, um, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm smoking crack. I don't know, but I don't see anybody else. But he says, those who are with us are more than those who are with him. And you know, sometimes when we start going down this pre-fight way in, man, it's so easy to get discouraged and fearful because you begin to, some of you even started reading these and like, oh crap, I hope, my wife, I hope they didn't give one of these to my spouse. Because fear starts to creep in and we're like, oh my gosh, I am not where I need to be in some areas. That's not the point. This is not a fear tactic, right? That's, that's not the point. But, but fear has no place. Why? In, in Isaiah 41.10, it says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So their fight was the same. Elisha and the servant had the same fight. They were in the same circumstance. One of them saw the truth and was not afraid. One of them did not see and was terrified. Same circumstance, same fight, same battle. Two different approaches, right? Let's keep going. Verse 17, verse 17. 
And Elisha prayed. Elisha didn't back talk and say, you're an idiot, servant. It says, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Point number eight, open your eyes. Open your eyes. It doesn't matter the position you're in. It doesn't matter what enemy has surrounded you. It doesn't matter the circumstances that are facing you. Open your eyes and look to the hills from where your help comes. You are not alone. God is with you. God is on your side. He will uphold you with his righteous right hand. Don't see the mountain before you. See the magnitude of your God. So before you can ever start the fight, you have to submit to the one who's fighting for you. Submit to him. Now, I want to share this last thing with you. This is, this is the part I'm telling you. If I was a screaming preacher, I would be yelling so loud right now. You wouldn't even, you'd be, I'd have to get earplugs. Because watch this. I can't tell you how many times I've screamed at the devil the last couple of weeks. And this is what I've been screaming at him. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 18. It says, as the enemy came down towards him. So the enemy's coming. They're standing there by themselves. And not only are they looking out in the hills, worrying and fretting about what's going to happen, it's happening. And they're coming down the hill towards them. Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had said. Now watch this, verse 19. Elisha told them, this is not the road. And this is not the city. Elisha looked them right in the eye. And you know what you need to do for your family? You need to step right out in front of your family. This is not the road. This is not your family. Pastor Chastine, how do we do that? We step out and say, devil, this is not your road and this is not your family. How is that precisely accomplished? Especially if I'm the one. See, you haven't mentioned Jesus or even talked about him in this entire sermon. And sir, Jesus is the one who holds the field forever. If I have to hold the field and not Jesus... I might as well hang it up. Why aren't you talking about our Lord? You are a pastor, sir, on a Sunday morning, the one place in the entire universe where we can hear Jesus talked about, but you haven't even mentioned him. Forget about focus your sermon around what he has done for us. We are the ones who are supposed to step out and say, Devil, this is not your road and this is my family. I'm the person that's supposed to do that. You're teaching falsely. I wish you would tell your people about the one who holds the field forever, and that is Jesus, our Lord born of a virgin, lived, taught, 
lived a perfect life, died in our place for the forgiveness of our sins, and rose from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father. Why haven't you mentioned him? And we need to speak with boldness and you need to step out in front of your family, men, women, whoever you are, with your children, and you stop fighting with your spouse, stop fighting with your kids, and step out in front of your wife and in front of your kids and say, Devil, this is not the road and this is not your family. Turn around. Get out of here. We have this authority, guys. We have this authority. And it's weird. I get it. It's weird. Like, it's, it's normal to pray to God in our cars. Have you ever gotten in your car and just yelled at the devil? It's weird at first. But God has given this authority to us to do this, to step out with authority and to say, devil, uh-uh, this is not the path. You are not coming down this road. You are not getting to my family. You are not getting to my marriage. You are not getting to my kids. This is not the path and this is not the city and this is not the road. I we need to pray this same prayer over our church and over our nation. This is not the path. You turn around and you go the other way. This is not your church. This is not your city. This is not your nation. We have to become a, a, a we, we are a bunch of pansies, y'all. Christians are a bunch of pansies. We have to stop being defensive and start becoming offensive. Stop becoming defensive and start becoming offensive. The offensive part is done. Jesus cried out on the cross, It is finished. Why doesn't he tell us about Jesus, the one who fights for us? He, 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 di- look it. This is a Christian church, evidently, on a Sunday morning from what I hope is a Christian pastor. He has not mentioned the name of Jesus in this sermon. This is all up to us. If it's all up to us, forget it. You cannot do it. We cannot go on the offensive, but praise be to God that Jesus did go on the offensive and finish the work. What is going on here? This is no place a Christian wants to find themselves on a Sunday morning. And it's remarkable to me, probably, how many people are showing up to hear Pastor Chastine talk about self-help. When they could just have has just have easily slept in that morning because they're not getting anything else they're getting from then they're getting from Dr. Phil or Oprah or anything else from Comedy Central or Saturday Night Rock concerts in this church. Start being on the offensive. What are you talking about? This is blasphemy this is not the preaching of our Lord Jesus and anyone I would caution anyone to falling for this this is this is not what Christianity is about a, a Christian pastor 
on a Sunday morning. Seriously, not mentioning Jesus one time. I did not hear him mention Jesus one time in this entire sermon, let alone focus the sermon on Jesus. That should be enough right there. <laughs> to me, I'm like, guy didn't mention Jesus. Didn't focus, I mean, not only did he not mention Jesus, how could he focus his sermon on Jesus? It's completely focused on us. If you're looking for self-help, don't go to this church. Just listen to Dr. Phil and Oprah all week. That's all you need. You don't need to hear Pastor Chastine tell you about how to help yourself. And how you need to go on the offensive and blah, 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 blah. You don't need any of this. Just stay home and listen to Dr. Phil and Oprah. But if you need Jesus, find a church where Jesus is the theme, the central person, because he is. He's the one that holds the field for us forever. We don't have to go on the offensive. Jesus already has done it. This is our fight. Your marriage is your fight. Don't sit around and wait on somebody. I can't save your marriage. Wade can't save your marriage. Fight for it. Tapping out is not an option. Now, if you're in an abusive relationship, I'm not talking to you. If you're being abused, get out. But man, fight for your marriage. Fight for your kids. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your kids. Pastor Chastine, what if I can't fight anymore? I don't, I don't have any more go in me left brother what good news might you have for me sir it's I, if it's up to me I'm done I'm gonna tap out I, I don't have any fight left to me and now what and see when there's no gospel when there's no Jesus in these sermons and it's all up to us, that's where we end up all too often. Just can't go on. Can't sustain it. I can't fight anymore. I need somebody to fight for me. Pastor Chastine, is there anyone who might fight for me in my place? Can you tell me about him? Is there anything in the Bible that talks about somebody who might stand in my place and fight for me? Because that's what I really need right now. Hey, preacher man, give me the gospel. It brings salvation to those who believe. Hey, preacher man, give me the gospel. Tell me I'm a sinner. Thank you for listening to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. Please feel free to contact us with questions or concerns on Facebook by searching for God Still Speaks Through Jackasses or by email at discussion at godstillspeaksthroughjackasses.org. 
Please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. And please, please rate us and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. All this stuff drives up our ratings and gives us a better chance of more people running into the gospel. And don't be shy about sharing the podcast with your friends. It's an easy way to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And you'll be sure to get a chuckle from anyone when you say, hey, check out God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. As always, all third-party material used for this podcast is protected under Title 17, Section 107, United States Code, Fair Use. And while you're free to use the podcast in any manner you'd like, please don't try to sell them. And it'd be great if you didn't pass off it, pass it off as your own material, but showed us a little love here and there uh, when you use them. Thanks again for listening to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. Hey, preacher man, give me the gospel, man. It brings-